0: Welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me your host Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of Craig and Her Majesty's Advocate. The citation for this case is 2022 UKSC 6 and this intriguing case is about extradition from the UK but also raises interesting human rights questions as well as issues of constitutional importance. James Craig is from Dunragit in Scotland, but the Securities and Exchange Commission in America alleges that in 2013 he tweeted false information about two US companies that cost investors $1.6 million. It was suggested that Craig himself only made $97 from the tweets after he bought the shares at a lower price and then resold them. In 2017, the US government requested that he be extradited to face securities fraud charges in America, and that is the focus of our proceedings today. The law in this area is primarily governed by the Extradition Act 2003, but in 2013 that statute was amended by the Crime and Courts Act so as to introduce the so called Forum Bar provisions. The aim of these provisions is to prevent the extradition of an individual where the offences could be fairly and effectively tried in the UK instead, and where it would not be in the interests of justice for the individual to be extradited abroad. In theory, this could mean that Craig does not need to be extradited to the states, and could face trial in the UK instead. However, things are not quite that simple. The coming into force date of these foreign bar provisions is not a specific date, but instead any date that the Secretary of State appoints by way of an order. For the purposes of England, Wales and Northern Ireland, that date was in October 2013. But the Secretary of State did not bring the provisions into force in relation to Scotland. Of course, this was problematic for Craig, who was hoping to rely on the forum bar provisions for the extradition proceedings against him in Scotland. As such, he launched a claim against the Advocate General for Scotland and the Scottish Ministers, where he argued that the failure by the Secretary of State to bring the forum bar provisions into force in relation to Scotland was unlawful. In 2018, the Outer House of the Court of Session found in favour of Craig and made an order stating that the government in Westminster had acted unlawfully. Despite that decision, the Secretary of State still did not bring the forum bar provisions into force in Scotland until September 2021. In the meantime, of course, the case against Craig continued and in July 2019, a sheriff held that there was no bar to the extradition and that it would be compatible with the European Convention on Human Rights. That decision was sent on to the Scottish ministers and in September 2019, it was decided that Craig should be extradited. Craig then appealed against that decision to the High Court of Judiciary, where he was unsuccessful, and he now appeals to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. For the justices, this case came down to a question of human rights. After all, Section 57.2 of the Scotland Act 1998 forbids members of the Scottish Government from acting in a way that is incompatible with Convention rights. That naturally includes the Lord Advocate pursuing extradition proceedings, as well as ministers ordering Craig's extradition if those actions are deemed to be incompatible. The next question is whether extradition would indeed be contrary to Craig's human rights. We know that extradition would be an interference with his right to a private life under Article 8, but this is a proportional right, and so interference can be justified by the public authority, if it is in accordance with the law, pursues a legitimate aim and is necessary in a democratic society. The focus here is on the first of these requirements, was the interference in accordance with the law. I always think that phrasing is a little too broad, but essentially for something to be in accordance with the law, it must be in line with domestic legislation and that legislation must be compatible with the rule of law, so as to provide adequate protection to the individual against arbitrariness. Taking all of that into account, the key here is the 2018 judgment from the Outer House of the Court of Session, where it was decided that the failure to bring the forum bar provisions into force in relation to Scotland was unlawful. The continued failure to conform with that order from the Outer House was also unlawful, and so by extension, the extradition proceedings against Craig. Were also not in accordance with the law. It's good news for Craig then, as he will now have a new extradition hearing before a different sheriff where he will be able to rely on the foreign bar provisions. Of course, legally speaking, this could be seen as a bit of a controversial decision. It's the government that has the power to legislate, and the job of the courts is to interpret the legislation that is produced. But if that is the case, then why did the Outer House declare that the failure of the Secretary of State to enact legislation was unlawful? And why is the Supreme Court now acting as if the provisions did extend to Scotland, when it is very clear that, at the relevant time, they did not? The lead judgment by Lord Reed provides an answer, but it's not very convincing. The President of the Supreme Court notes that when a declaratory order is made, There is an expectation that the government will comply with that order, and so the courts therefore avoid using coercive orders. He then goes on to say that this is part of the mutual trust that exists between the courts and the government. The problem is that when it comes to the law, the whole point is that there is a coercion so that judgments have authority. You wouldn't make a declaratory order in respect of a burglar because there is a mutual trust that they will voluntarily go to prison. Now, that is a bit of a trite argument because there is a delicate constitutional balance to be maintained between the executive and the judicial branches of government. But should we be relying on a system of trust, especially when it comes to the current administration? Having said all that, I still think this is the right outcome in this case because there is a clear interference with Craig's private life under Article 8 of the Convention and the way that the law is operating is clearly very arbitrary. If he was living only 60 miles to the west in Northern Ireland, then he would have the full benefit of the forum bar provisions, and that just doesn't seem right or fair. Also, the argument by the Scottish government was equally unconvincing. They had, in fact, urged the UK government to not bring the forum bar provisions into force in Scotland, because there were, quote, "...concerns it would potentially impact on the independence of the role of the Lord Advocate in making prosecutorial decisions, I'm not quite sure how that would be the case, but either way, the more important thing is that a court has decided on that matter and held that it is unlawful not to bring the provisions into force in Scotland because of human rights concerns. In general, I am not a fan of the idea that the UK should have a written constitution, but when you see the totally avoidable mess that has been created in this case, and the way that it has turned into a years-long nightmare for someone, it makes the argument a little more convincing. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provides the theme music. A quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week, and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. This week in the newsletter, we had a special double bill about the crisis at P&O Ferries. In the first edition of the newsletter that was available on Monday for all readers, we looked at some of the consequences of that decision for the employees themselves. And then on Tuesday, in a special edition for subscribers, we looked at the consequences for the executives at P&O themselves and how those consequences could have changed if the government had enacted a piece of proposed legislation from last summer. Anyway, if that sounds like something you are interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!